Thanks for listening to the Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Life Church, visit lifechurchww.com. All right, so this Sunday, as you've heard so far, this Sunday, we officially start what is called Passion Week. It's called Palm Sunday today, but it's called Passion Week. And passion comes from a Latin word that means endurance and suffering. And so this is the week that Jesus endured and he suffered in order to get us to heaven. We are gonna learn a lesson from the last week of Jesus's earthly life. And this event, by the way, is covered, that I wanna look at today, is covered in all four gospels. If you don't know what that means, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are called gospels, and they are all accounts from different perspectives of Jesus's life. In those four books, there are 89 chapters in all the four books concerning Jesus's life. Four of the 89 chapters cover the first 30 years of Jesus's life. So that leaves 85. Got maths? You following with me now? The 85 chapters cover the last three and a half years of Jesus's life, his ministry life. 29 of the 85 chapters cover the last week of Jesus's life. So the gospel writers put a lot of emphasis on this week, on this last week of Jesus's life. So let's stand up and read the scripture together. Come on, let's read as I'm gonna talk today out of this verse of scripture, these verses of scripture, Luke chapter 19. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and to sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. And they said, did I go too? They had, they had mm, seen. They said this, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Look at this. But as he came closer to Jerusalem, and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. The Bible records for us that there are only three times that Jesus wept. This is one of them. Hebrews records for us a time that Jesus wept, and it refers to the Garden of Gethsemane where he was crying out to God. And then the Bible records for us in the Gospel of John that Jesus wept when Lazarus had died. And then this when he looks over Jerusalem, he sees the city and he began to weep. What makes God cry? How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in on, close in on you from every side. They will crush you to the ground. 
and your children with you. And that happened in 70 AD when Rome came. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. I want to talk today, when God visits. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to help me out today. Prepare your heart because it's going to be a little bit different for me. I told our pastors this morning early, I said, I'm a little uncomfortable preaching this style that I'm about ready to preach because I'm a very practically minded person. And although I'm gonna give you some very practically minded things, I feel like I'm just here to share God's heart with you. Is that all right? Can you just work with me today? Just work with me today. So tell somebody next to you before you're seated and just tell them, hey, God's about ready to come on over. Come on, tell them. God's about ready to visit you. When God visits. Now, um, my wife and I have people over a lot. We just had several people over even last night. And we have different ideas about how to get ready for somebody to come over. And when someone's gonna come over to my house, my wife thinks that we should dust the attic and that we should clean the garage and we should check the dog kennel and we should make sure that our closet that is private in our own bathroom should be tidied up and ready because we never know where you might sneak around and look and see whether we vacuumed and dusted for your arrival. But I'm kind of under the persuasion we should just clean up after they leave. They're gonna, be a, they're gonna leave a mess when they come. We'll just vacuum after they're gone. That's, that makes more sense to me. This is therapy for me this morning, so. Just therapy. I, I mean, my wife's talking to me right now. I'm not even giving her eyes. I'm not even looking at her. <laughs> I'll vacuum after you leave, not before you come. So, and of course, you know, she wins out and it makes sense. I get it. But we prepare. We prepare when people come over. But what if it was God? What if it was God was coming on over? What, what would we do? How would we tidy up? How do you get ready for God to visit? I want to talk about that today. And I think the essence that is in my heart, I think there's a fresh visitation from God coming to America again. I think there's a fresh visitation from God coming to the earth again. And, and, and there's this big arching, overarching thought that is gonna be, yes, it's gonna be personal and I want it to apply to you individually, but I also want it to apply to us as a church. I want us to be ready. I want us to know how do we get ready when God visits his people. And so I guess I wanna share this thought with you first. My first overarching thought is this, that God wants to visit. God wants to visit his people. Look at what they were saying. It said, blessings on the king who comes, the king who visits. They were giving blessings. They were declaring that God is a king who wants to visit his people. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They were giving God praise for being a God that visits his people. So not only does God visit his people, he wants to visit with you. He wants to visit with me. And I believe that God wants to visit us more than we maybe even want God to visit. From the beginning of creation, even until now, God has visited his people. God visited with Adam in the garden and he walked with Adam in 
the cool of the day. He visited Abraham and he gave him a son and he birthed a nation from him. He visited Noah and he gave Noah a burden to save humanity. He visited Jacob and he changed him from a deceiver to a prince with God. He visited Isaiah and he changed his perspective to how big God was and is and how holy the Lord is. He visited his disciples and he called them from being fishermen to fishers of men. He visited a hungry crowds of thousands of people with a little boy's lunch and he fed the multitudes. He visited Moses up on a mountain and he gave him the tablets and the law and the word of God. He visited cities and he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he cleansed lepers and he opened blind eyes. He visited people then and he's visited from the beginning of creation and he still visits cities today. I think he wants to visit Walla Walla again. I think he wants to sweep across our city in such a move and across our nation in such a move that he gets his conversations about Jesus happen at water coolers and in parking lots and in the middle of board meetings. And all of a sudden, Jesus becomes the center of conversation in America again, rather than the darkness being the center of conversation in America again. Is anybody staying with me so far? So that's the good news, that God wants to visit his people. But the, the sobering news is that not everyone recognizes God's visitation. There's only a few times in scriptures I mentioned earlier that Jesus wept. And one of those times is when Jesus is coming to his own people and he's visiting Jerusalem. And Jesus came as a Jew. And he, 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 the Jews were God's chosen people and are God's chosen people. And he comes to his own and he says, you missed your day of visitation. You don't even know what day it is. He weeps over Jerusalem. And here's a truth about Jesus's last week on earth that is hard to imagine. God is on the planet. He's walking in your city. Crowds of people are praising him and crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're shouting and they're laying down their garments and, and palm branches. And some people don't even bother to find out what all the fuss is about. It's just perplexing to me that God, creator of the heavens and earth, is walking on the planet. He's walking through your neighborhood. Just imagine with me. He's walking in your neighborhood and there's all this ruckus going on. I don't even bother to go find out what's happening. Jesus said, he said, your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. How is that possible? that the creator of the heavens and earth comes to mankind, he heals sick people, he raises the dead, he casts out demons, he teaches with authority, he walks on water. He rebukes the religious, he welcomes the sinner, and he's missed and he's not recognized. I'm thankful that God has opened your eyes. 
you should be thankful that somehow, some way, God woke us up from our stupidity and we joined Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So if God can be so near and do so much and some people join the celebration and they go, let's go over to Life Church and let's see what the fuss is all about. And let's worship and let's praise him and their lives are changed. And yet some people say, rebuke your disciples. How dare they praise God like that? Quiet them. And they miss God in the flesh, even though they could see what he was doing with their own eyes. How's that possible? Well, I want to talk about today, how can we be sure? And if you're watching online or you're watching this later or you are in the room, how can we be sure we're in the right crowd? I don't want to miss him. I don't want you to miss him. I want my eyes to be opened. I want my heart to go, whoa, whoa, God's around. God's somewhere near. God's doing something. God, I want to be wherever God is. And so whenever God shows up, my friends, he restores and he heals and he revives and he sets free and he gives purpose and he sends a, he sends a fresh wind into your spirit and, and, and he wants to do that again. I believe that God wants to send a fresh visitation to America. I think God wants to send a fresh Whew, a fresh visitation to, to Life Church in Walla Walla. And I think God wants to use us and he wants to, us to be a part of it. But will we be sure that we are in the right crowd today? Whew. You know, God has visited. Um, I've been a part of what God has been doing in Walla Walla. In my short life, I've been, a, I've, I've been in ministry in Walla Walla full-time for 33 years. 33 years. That's a long time. And I've, I've been able to be a witness of of, of different moves of God that have happened in those 33 years in, uh, in the world and what God has even done in our city over those 33 years. I've seen moves begin. I've seen moves actually end. And I've seen, I've seen God start some stuff and end some stuff. And I've watched over just the last eight years. I've watched God do something in Walla Walla that if I was told 25 years ago about I would have said, that's my dream. And the last eight years, I've been living what I would have said would have been my dream 33 years ago. We've literally seen thousands, that's not an evangelistically statement, an exaggerated statement, thousands of people begin a relationship with Jesus Christ just through what God's doing in our church alone, let alone what God's doing in other churches. And yet there's something in my heart that's, I'm so thankful for all that God has been doing in the last eight years, but I'm, there's something in me that says, I think God wants to do more. I think God wants to do more. As long as you have a friend or a family member or someone that doesn't know Jesus, God wants to do more. As long as you still have a miracle that you're believing God for, God wants to do more. And so, how do we prepare? Let's talk about that just for the few minutes that I have with you today, together today. How do we prepare for God's visit? All right, you ready? Yeah. Let's talk about it. How about I talk about it and you listen? Let's do that. 
The Gospel of John adds a word that I've actually already said, but wasn't in the scripture I read today. It wasn't in Luke's account, but John gives us this word that they were singing. And it's, it's Hosanna, and it means to really humble yourself, because here's it is. Hosanna means save us. Save us. Save now, which means you know you need saving. So if I'm gonna prepare for God's visit, and I'm gonna be in the crowd that welcomes him, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna humble myself and say, you know what? I need God. The bottom line is, I need God. Here's what, here's what John, he goes, so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying out, Hosanna. Will you just say that word with me, the crying out what? Hosanna. Hosanna. They cried out, Hosanna. Let that be our cry all the days of our life, that we never stop in a humble response. Yes, it's praise, but it's also prayer. It's yes, yes, it's, it's this declaration of praise unto the Lord, but it's really a cry. It is their crying out, God, will you save me? Save me from myself. Save me from my distractions. Save me from the wrong parts of my heart that get deceived into things of this world or loving the things of this world. When God, life is all about eternity. It's all about what you're doing in the earth. It's all about heaven. So God, please save me from myself. If I'm, not gonna, if I'm gonna be sure that I'm in the right crowd, that's what I'm crying out. If I'm gonna be sure I'm in the right crowd, then I'm gonna recognize I need God. Oh, come on, help somebody out next to you and tell them, you need God whether you think you do or not. Come on, tell them, you need God. <laughs> it was the religious, self-righteous people of Jesus' day that wanted the people to stop declaring this. It was the religious, self-righteous people who didn't think they needed what Jesus had to offer that wanted to silence people who were crying out, God, save us. I don't know about you. I've been serving the Lord for decades. I need God. I need God. I need a fresh visitation from God. And anytime I've had a fresh visitation from God, every time I came to a new awakening going, wow, I was probably backslidden and I didn't even know it. And I don't, I mean, that's an exaggeration, uh, not like, you know, sinning or anything like that, but just my heart wasn't awakened to the level of passion that is available for a Christ follower. It's a humble response all the days of our life to be sure that we don't miss God's visitation. It's humble, which means he sometimes comes to you through means that might offend you. He might use a woman preacher. He might use a child. He might, he might use a boss. He might use, he might use whoever he wants to use. But to be sure that we don't miss him, we have to have a humble heart. When my middle brother was was born again, it happened like this. So he had, he had seen that God was beginning to change our family. And my dad, who didn't really like my brothers, now loved them and was working on reconciling with them. So he could see that God, God must be real because no one can change like my dad. They saw my dad change unless God's real. 
But he wasn't ready yet. He said, ah, and he's living his life and his party life. And he's at Eastern Washington University. And some girl that he's interested in, he had asked out on a date and she says, nah, I'll go with you if you go to church first. So he goes, well, all right. So he went to church, partied the night before, got up, showed up right when church started or a little bit late. And the only place that was still available to seat, sit was like on the second row right in the middle. So, just, <laughs> so the, the ushers give him this seat and he sits there and, and it's all going on and he doesn't even remember what the pastor preached, but he remembers when God put his finger on his chest. And he said, I'm standing there because the pastor started, you know, let's all stand together and starts giving an opportunity to give your life to Jesus today. And all of a sudden, he began to sweat, literally sweat. And he's sweating. And he's feeling the pressure of, of God's conviction on his life. Like, it's time for you to give your life to me. And he hears his name, Brian. His name is Brian. And he thought it was someone behind him saying, Brian. So he turns around and looks at him. And they're just, they're not looking at him at all. Turns back around and he's sweating some more. And he hears Brian and he turns around and he asks him, Are you? he said, I'm not talking to you. Now he knows it's God talking to him. And God said to him this, he'd never heard God speak to him before. He's not saved yet. But he's sweating under the pressure. And this is all happening probably in less than a minute. And under that pressure and sweating and hearing God say his name the second time, then he, go, he hears the Lord say to him, Respond to this feeling or you will never feel this again. Now, I don't know where that goes into your theological framework or not. Would God have given up on him? No, but the Bible in Hebrews does say this. Beware lest you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That you can get to a place where you're so hardened that you'll never feel the conviction and the wooing of God again in your life. And in that moment, he just said, okay. And he said yes to God. It was his day of visitation. And in that moment, he was born again and he's never been the same since. But he recognized, I need God in my life. And he humbled himself. He humbled himself, re realizing, I, I need you. I need you in my life. If we are gonna be sure that we're in the right crowd, as a church, as an, indiv as an individual, as a nation, we're gonna humble ourselves before God and we're gonna say, God, I need you. My nation needs you. Amen? Amen. By the way, Jesus rides in on a donkey. And why a donkey? and not a horse. Because kings, usually I see kings on horses. Kings would ride horses when going to battle, but kings would ride on a donkey when they were extending peace. So Jesus was, that's why he said, oh Jerusalem, if you knew your time of peace. He came as a humble God, and a humble God will be found 
by a humble people. Amen? Amen. It's pretty quiet today. A little different. Is this okay? Help me out. I felt uncomfortable coming. So, okay, so God, I don't want to miss you. Okay, so I need you. I got I to humble myself before God and recognize that no matter how long I've been serving the Lord, I got a long ways to go. And I, I need a fresh touch of God on my life. And humble people are praying. Humble, that's Hosanna was really a prayer. It was God, oh God, save us. And that's why a humble people show up on pursuit nights on Tuesday night at six o'clock. And we're saying, God, it's, we're not just trusting in ourselves or our musicians or our gifts. God, we need you. Will you save Walla Walla? Will you save this region? Will you move across our, will you use us, oh God, and empower us this Easter season and of course every weekend. But then how else, how else do I be sure that I don't miss God's visitation because some people did. I wanna look at this verse again. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along. And here's what they were doing. They were praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. They were praising God for all that they had seen. So here's what I want you to do is I want you to begin to thank God for what you've already seen him do. All right, I think this is a big deal. Thank God for what you've already seen him do. And I got, I got prayer requests that I'm, pray, I'm praying for all the time. I'm praying every day and I'm saying, God, I want this and I wanna see that. But how many of you know that every, every now and then, probably every single day, the Bible says, the, says this, let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving, that every day we need to be thankful. We need to say, you know what? Well, I can't think anything I'm thankful for in my life. Well, begin to thank God for what he's doing in somebody else's life then because they were praising God for all the miracles they had seen. Listen, they hadn't personally received every miracle. There had to be certain people in that crowd that probably didn't get a miracle at all, but they joined the praise because they had seen him do miracles for somebody else. So it's important that if I'm gonna be in the crowd that doesn't miss what God is doing, that I don't get bitter or offended because I haven't received my miracle yet. I thank God for your family miracle. I thank God for your restoration. I thank God you're pregnant. I thank God you got engaged. I thank God you got a job. I'm still believing God for mine. I'm not believing to get pregnant, by the way, but we don't believe that here. <laughs> I made that clear last week. <laughs> but everyone's got their prayer requests and different people get their miracles at different times. So to be sure I don't get into the wrong crowd, I just thank God for what he's already done. I thank him for your, your restoration. I thank him for your reconciliation. I thank him that, that, that you have got out of debt. I thank him that you overcome your heartbreak. I thank him that you overcome your anxiety. And I'm still stressed about my, but I'm just thankful for what he's done. I'm thankful. If I'm gonna be sure that I don't miss God's visitation, then I begin to thank him for what he's already done. All right, now the last point is the most intimate and maybe the most crucial point of all. And I'm going to the gospel of Matthew now. Remember, this account is shared in all four gospels because it, 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 is, it is almost a third of all the gospel writers, 25 of 89 chapters, 25 of 89 chapters cover this last week. So it's important that we learn what the Bible wants us to learn from this last week of Jesus's life. 
He's visiting Jerusalem and humble people experience his visitation. People that thank God for all the miracles that they've seen. They're the people who experience his visitation. But look what Matthew says here. Matthew goes, he left them. This is the end of the day. Same day. He's done with all his activity. Look what he does. He went out of the city to Bethany. Say Bethany. Bethany. He went to Bethany and he lodged there. By the way, this is where he went any time he was in town. So Jesus did 70% of his ministry life around the Sea of Galilee. It was 124 miles away. He would come to Jerusalem three times a year for the festivals, as any good Jew would do. So every time Jesus would come to town, he would go to this place called Bethany. Why would he go here? It was less than a two-mile walk away just around the corner. If you're on the Mount of Olives, you're just right around the corner. He would leave Jerusalem, the end of his day, out of all these palm branches, Palm Sunday, beginning of Passion Week. He heads out from that day and he goes and visits somebody. Why would he visit these people? Just like my wife and I, my wife's from a little town called Tushi. I promise you, if we drive through into the town of Tushi, we're stopping at one house every single time. Her parents. You know why? Because we love them. We love her parents. So I might not stop at anybody else's house, but I'm gonna stop at a house where I'm welcomed and where I'm worshiped because there were three people here that it says in the Bible that Jesus loved, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And every time he'd come to Jerusalem, he knew he had an open door policy. He was like, you can come and stay with me. So here's, if you're gonna be sure, you're in the right crowd. You're gonna be humble. You're gonna recognize that you need God No matter what season you are in your life, on the mountaintop or in the valley, how much you know the Bible or you don't know, I need God, I'm always crying out Hosanna. And I wanna thank him for every miracle he's ever done, even when I'm still believing for my own, I'm thanking him for what he's done in your life. And then, last but not least, but the most intimate of them all, to experience a visitation from Jesus, woo, help me to not cry too much, is to worship him. Is to worship him. I wanna tell you something. If you can't find God, Worship him, he'll find you. I say that because of the gospel of John. True worshipers of whom the Father seeks. If you feel like you're in a season of your life, you can't find God, just worship him. Just worship him, he'll find you. John 11, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. She was a worshiper. She was a worshiper. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love. Look at this. How precious is it to be mentioned in the Bible individually as someone that Jesus loved. The one you love is sick. Can I just pause just for a moment? Just because you're going through something right now doesn't mean he doesn't love you. 
When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now look at this now. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, three siblings. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And it makes it very clear that Jesus loved them. Well, Bob, doesn't Jesus love everybody? Why would it say that he loved them specifically? Because he had a loving relationship with them. He doesn't have a loving relationship with everyone. God so loved the world. You could love America, but you don't love every single person in America. Personally, you don't know them. God loves the world, but he doesn't have a loving relationship with everyone in the world. And it struck me as I prepared this message this week for you is I thought, what would I have been someone that would have been mentioned in the Bible as someone that Jesus loved? And you think, well, would you have been somebody if you lived back then that would have been specifically pointed out as someone that Jesus loved, that he had a loving relationship with? You would have been if you are now. because they welcomed him into their home. They welcomed him, they worshiped him. They, they, they poured out their, their adoration on him. Those are the people that don't miss his visitation because at the end of the day, lots of people missed him. But then he headed somewhere. He headed somewhere where there were people that worshiped him. I think the Lord's looking across America right now. Please hear me, lean in, lean in. I think he's looking across the earth right now and he's going, where's my worshipers? Where's my worshipers? Where's, I'm looking because it's getting towards the end of the day. The day is far spent and it's getting towards the end of time. And I'm just looking for those who are still worshiping. They're going through sicknesses. They're going through problems. They're going through all kinds of situations, but they're still worshiping. They're still looking towards heaven. They're humbling themselves. They're thanking God for what they've already seen him do. But before they receive their miracle, they worship. They just worship. This is what the church does on Palm Sunday. Team, move this, please. And worship team, come on up here. This is what the church does on Palm Sunday. She humbles herself. She says, God, I need you. I'm thankful for every miracle that I've ever seen you do. I'm thankful. I'm so grateful for all that I've seen you do. But God, I think you want to do more. So I just worship you. Thank you for listening to the Life Church podcast. We want to help you on your journey of finding the life you were made for. Please visit lifechurchww.com to take your next step and connect with us.